But if you have your Bibles, uh, let's look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And um, Stephen, when you stop hearing the sniffling, you can go ahead and turn on the lights, okay? Beginning with the verse 13. The Bible says that very day, two of them were walking to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he had even that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with him, who were with us, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. There's two people traveling back to Emmaus. They've been in Jerusalem. They've witnessed everything that has occurred. It's now three days later after Jesus' death. And there are some words that describe them with the letter D. And whenever you're describing somebody with the letter D, it does it, it's not good. These women were, these, these people were despondent. Uh, they were walking, they were in dark, walking in darkness spiritually. Uh, they were, they were devastated. They were discouraged. They were distressed. And the Bible says that the resurrected Jesus comes upon them on the road to Emmaus. Now, this is uh, this is rather random, but this is this is really encouraging for us who go through those those moments, those times. God is reminding us through Jesus this morning that He knows the geography of our lives. He knows where we're at. Jesus knew where the this couple was. Not only did He know their geography. But he knew the top, the topography. He knew the valleys. He knew the the hills. He knew the trouble that they found themselves in, and Jesus came upon them. This was not 
an accident. The resurrected Lord couldn't be everywhere at the same time physically. This is a bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is teaching us, showing us this morning that he knows where every one of us are. And when Jesus comes upon them, he knows exactly what they're thinking. And, and he, and he, the, the Bible says in verse 16 that, uh, their eyes, their eyes are kept from recognizing him. So here he's on the road with them. He knows what they're thinking, but he asks them the question, what things? He wants them to convey their heart to Jesus. And that's what Jesus wants to do us to do here in this room. When we're going through those moments of heartache, hurt, discouragement, Jesus knows exactly where you are. And he wants you to pour out your heart to him. And what did they say? Well, they weren't encouraging words. They were speaking in the past tense. They said, we had hoped that this would be our redeemer. But Jesus died. The only news they shared with, with Jesus on that road to Emmaus was bad news. That's all that they were interpreting at that time. Yes, they had heard the women say that they had seen a vision, that, uh, that the angels had said that Jesus was alive. Some others in their party went and saw an empty tomb. But they're thinking in their, their minds that all their circumstances, the glass is half, half empty. It's all negative. They're interpreting these events in a negative way. This whole time, as they're walking to Emmaus, their, their eyes, their, they don't realize who they're talking to. Their eyes are still closed. Why? Well, let's read verses 25 through 27. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, prophets he interpret, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Why did Jesus keep their eyes closed to knowing who he was? Because he wanted to take them back to scripture. He wanted them to see and understand what the word said about Jesus Christ. Had he said, hey guys, it's me immediately on that road to Emmaus they probably would have missed every word that he had to convey to them because they would have been caught up in the moment. 
I mean, they, were, they would have been excited, just like these people on the video were, to see their loved one. And they would have missed what Jesus wanted to convey to them. Now understand, I am not criticizing intimacy. I think it's really important that we get caught up in Jesus' presence, that we love the moment, that we worship the Lord Jesus Christ, both in spirit and in truth. And I think as Baptists, we're pretty good at, at worshiping Jesus in truth. But I think that we have some things to learn when it comes to worshiping the Lord Jesus in spirit. Jesus wants us to love him with all of our heart. But when it comes right down to it, it means both. Jesus isn't only interested in how high, how excited we get for him. Jesus is also interested in us knowing who he is through the word of God. And Jesus is, isn't going to be with his disciples much longer. He's only got 40 days left with them before he ascends into heaven. And before he ascends, when his physical presence is gone, he wants to help them to see and understand what the Bible has to say about Jesus and all that he had to fulfill. When he leaves, he's not going to leave us alone. He's going to leave us his spirit, and he's going to leave us his word. And his spirit and his word are a lifeline for us getting through this life successfully. I don't know if any of you watched the, the TV show Life Below Zero. Uh, but uh, it's one of those Alaskan shows that uh, I get caught up in, and, and uh, they have different stories on different people who live in Alaska. Well, there's one gal, her name is Susan, and she lives 120 miles north of the Arctic Circle. And in the wintertime, uh, obviously you can imagine winters are, are incredibly intense, and she has to put a rope she has a rope that goes from where she lives to um, um, a container where she has more supplies in case she has to get to those in the wintertime. Oftentimes, she'll have to hold on to that rope because the winds, the, the weather is so intense, she can't see what's in front of her. And she's got to hold on to that rope and get her to the destination she needs to get to. Oftentimes, friends, that's what Jesus is to us in this life. His word and his spirit are a rope to get us to our destination. Because we can't see physically what's in front of us. And we've got to trust him. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And that's what Jesus is bringing these disciples, this couple too, he wants them to understand his word. And he wants them to understand all of his word and what the Old Testament has to say. Now, Cleopas and 
his uh, companion. We don't know who they were. Um, but uh, they obviously were very familiar with the Old Testament. They had been to a lot of synagogue services. They knew what the, the stories of the Old Testament had to teach about the Messiah. But their understanding of the scriptures of the Old Testament was only a partial understanding. They didn't have any room in their theology for a Messiah that was going to die and be resurrected. This wasn't on their radar. They had never heard of this. And who can blame them? They probably didn't know how to read, and they were totally dependent upon the professionals to convey truth to them. But when we look at at the Old Testament, when we look at the New Testament and, and, what, and the days of Jesus, this, is, this wasn't anyone's theology. No one was talking about a suffering, dying, resurrected Messiah. Rabbis and priests merely emphasized blazing glory, triumph, um, for the win kind of Messiah. This is who they were anticipating. And so when we see in Scripture Jesus dying and resurrecting, nobody interpreted this in those ways. And so Jesus very carefully articulates passages of Scripture that talk about his coming his suffering, his dying, and his resurrection. Now, we don't know what those texts are, but I think we could take a pretty good guess of what they might be. And next week, we're going to look at some of those texts. Now, I said, I said that this was the last sermon in the book of Luke. I've got one more sermon. There's too, too much here. But Jesus wants us to know what all the scriptures have to say about him. And for these believers, they only had a partial understanding of the Old Testament. And a partial understanding of scripture, we need to understand, is both dangerous and damning. We need to know all of what the Bible says. Without a resurrection, without a death and resurrection of Jesus, you know what we're left with? Merely another religion. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is everything. That's the gospel. God is the God of the impossible. There was no way you and I could save ourselves. It required a Jesus to come into this world and to live the life that we couldn't, die the death that we deserved, and then conquer sin and death by coming back from the grave. And when Jesus did that, he allowed us, he gave us the opportunity to be saved. 
God is the God of the impossible. There's no other God like Jesus Christ. And if you don't have in your theology a death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're merely left with theory. Your religion is empty. It's theoretical. It's powerless. It is hopeless. And that's where these disciples were. Next week when he comes upon the, the, uh, the eleven. That's where they were as well. They only had a partial understanding of Scripture. And church, we need to know all of what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. And when we know who Jesus Christ is, we no longer have an empty religion. We're no longer talking in past tense. Our future is hopeful. Our future is bright our loved ones who go before us who know have a personal relationship with jesus christ they're alive more alive today than they've ever been before because god is not the god of the dead god is the god of the living and he gives us great hope but you need to understand all of god's word and so jesus takes the time with Cleopas and his companion to carefully articulate all that the scripture said would happen to the Messiah. And next week, he's going to share the same thing with his disciples. Why? Because they're being thrown back in to the Jewish culture. Understand, nobody has a theology with room for a death, burial, and resurrection. And the disciples, Cleopas, and others, they're going to have to go back to family and friends and talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and go back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament that is in their hands. And they're going to have to carefully articulate what the Bible says about Jesus. Friends, we must know all of what God's word says about him. And as we conclude this morning, I I want to just, again, encourage you and help you to know, number one, God knows where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And he's going to ask you the question, what is it? What's going on? Yes, he already knows the words that you're going to say, but he wants you to articulate them to him. Not only does he know where you are, not only does he want you to pour out your heart to him, but he wants you to know him. And we get to know him by taking this book and absorbing this book. We can know him. But if all you're 
dependency of knowing him is by coming to this service alone once a week, once a month, once every other month, you don't know him. Get to know Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for thank you for how you interacted with Cleopas and, and his companion. And Lord, they wanted you wanted them to know what your word said about Jesus and that Jesus you came to fulfill all of it. God, we live in a culture today that is biblically illiterate and is hopeless, that is wandering aimlessly, that is searching for all different kinds of things that they think will bring them fulfillment and peace. But God, you speak truth. You are truth. And Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. And there's no way, other way to the Father but through you. God, I pray that our lives would reflect, reflect the truth of who you are. And that Jesus, you are our hope, you are our salvation, and you are our future. And we're just passing through. But I thank you, Jesus, that as we pass through, we don't walk alone. You walk with us. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for knowing. Help us get to know you more. Through your word. Through the truth of both the Old and the New Testaments. In Jesus' name.